Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, this is kind of one of our, what we would call a uh, jumping off scripture or a reference in which we're using in this series on the heart. Now it says in verse 12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Everybody say the heart. Now let me read it. I like in the Amplified. It says, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the, of the breath of life, the soul, the immortal spirit, and of the joints and marrow. Now, joints and marrow is reference to the flesh. So we could actually say it like this. The Word of God is literally what helps you to discern what is of your flesh, what is of your soul, and what is, a, what is of your spirit. Amen? Then it also says this, and of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting, analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Now go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Beginning there in verse 14. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, notice he was a churchgoer. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Every Bible I've ever had the past 35, 36 years, I've always wrote in that little space in between those verses there, I wrote, written about Him. You say, why do you write that? Because it's imperative that you go into the Word of God and find what is written about you. Did you know there's stuff written about you in the Word of God? The Bible says you're a new creature. says you're more than a conqueror. says all kinds of great things about you. You need to find out what it says. Amen? Well, he found that portion of Scripture in Isaiah. <coughs> Excuse me. And it read read like this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now notice this. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now let me make a little rabbit, follow a little rabbit trail, we'll come right back. Now notice what it says there, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now this is literally a prophecy out of Isaiah 61 verse 2. And the prophecy says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Notice Jesus didn't use the part of the scripture that said and the day of the vengeance of our God. He stopped with the scripture that said the acceptable year of the Lord. So we live in a dispensation that can be described as a dispensation in which God, through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, will accept any person, any person that will come to Him through that work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no judgment of God upon the earth right now. I know a lot of people are talking about, you know, the judgment of God. This happens. That's the judgment of God. That happens. No, it's not. What we see many times is the wage of sin manifesting in such a horrible way that it looks like the judgment of God. But it's not the judgment of God. You know, a guy or a gal go out and, and get on drugs and, and get busted by the, by the police department and, and go to jail and, and, and end up in prison for 10 years. And somebody said, well, God judged them. No, he didn't. That's the wage of sin. God didn't judge them. Right there in that jailhouse, right there in that prison. I know many. I got many friends right there in the penitentiary. They got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and came out powerful ministers of the Word of God. 
So thank God we live in a dispensation of grace. Mercy. Everybody say mercy. That's the goodness of God. But now notice it says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody say brokenhearted. Now I'm going to read that in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me, Jesus speaking, the Anointed One, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. What's the gospel to the poor? Anybody know? You don't have to be poor no more. He has sent me to announce a release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. How many have ever been there? <laughs> life is not fair, nor is life good in such a way that it treats everybody in a manner in which they'd like to be treated. How many have ever figured out life can be tough? Amen. Now we're studying on the heart, and we're getting to a place now where I'm going to be very careful, because anytime you deal with the heart, it's you need to make sure you've got the right person doing it. If I was going to have to have heart surgery, then I would make sure I want the best doctor. I don't want some guy coming out and saying, well, I just graduated from school. I'd like to give it a try. No, I'm going to find somebody. Actually, we got a great testimony from Brother Danny Johnson, who had a major heart attack in December. And, uh, you know, uh, he, they had him in a, in a, in a um, um, hospital room, and, and he found the name. He got the name of the leading heart surgeon on the East Coast. And he prayed and said, God, that's who I want doing my heart surgery. And uh, you know who did it? The very guy he prayed for. And Danny's doing fine. He's recovering. Uh, we're helping him out in some areas, but he will be here probably in April to preach the gospel to you. Isn't that good? Now, we're talking about, though, the heart of man, which we have determined is something that is developed. The heart can take on the characteristics of the spirit. The heart can take on the characteristics of the soul. But you have to develop, we've been talking about this recently, a heart for God. It's amazing how many people who want God in their life, but they just don't have a heart for God. You know, there are things in my life that I still do. I'm 64 years old. Uh, we moved here in 1973. I had the background of, a, uh, I grew up in, a, in South Houston, South where Houston, South Houston and Pasadena come together. And that was at the time in which all the, you know, the gillies and all the rodeos and all that stuff was going on. So I kind of uh, fell into that lifestyle. But when we moved here, I walked down the beach one day and saw these people out there surfing. I thought that was cool. And so me and my brother, we started going down and renting surfboards. And then dad did some kind of business deal for the, for the surf shop owner and got us 10 surfboards for $100. Wow. You should have seen them. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we started surfing. And, and by 19, I think it was 1979 and 1980, both Brother Allen and myself both made our way to the U.S. National Surfing Championships. Now, I still have surfing in my heart. I still enjoy it. I love it. I, some of my fondest memories of surfing have been down in Nicaragua after we've done a great crusade or had a great meeting. And I'd be out in the ocean by myself. Now, I, people have warned me against doing this, but so just, you know, realize that's just who I am. Amen. I mean, out in the ocean with waves as big as this building, just rolling through. I'm the only one out there catching wave after wave after wave after wave. I, man, I so it's, it's just ingrained in my heart. I have other hobbies that I like to duck hunt. I, I've taken people duck hunting one time and they're like, nope, don't ever want to go there again. <laughs> that is really, how do you do that? Now, down, that is not really a nice place to go. It's not a nice place to be. I remember I took a pastor one time and his son and it just happened that a, a real strong norther blew through. And it just, it, it was about uh, 65, 70 degrees when we started hunting. And within about an hour, it was like 20. And I mean, it was brutal. And so I could tell they were suffering. So I put them in the truck. But after I put them in the truck, I noticed all these geese were flying real low over the trees. So I just went and stood under the trees and shot me a big old pile of geese. I mean, just somebody's told me one time, he said, you must have got a, a molested by a duck at some park somewhere when you were a child. You've been trying to kill them ever since. No, it's just something's in my heart. Amen. <laughs> Me and Kenny Cleveland. I guess me and Kenny, you know, we've, 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 we've been through some brutal times, but we've had some great times. Something that's in our heart. Amen? But more than anything else that's in my heart, God is in my heart. Jesus is my heart. The assignments of God. Obedience to God. My heart has been developed with that sitting on the throne of it higher than anything else. 
But you know, here's the thing. There's a devil out there and he's a mean devil. He hates humanity, not just Christianity, but humanity. And a lot of Christians suffer with what Jesus has given us deliverance to, and that is a bruised, a broken, or an offended heart. Now, now it's listen, a lot of times when you start teaching along these levels, people get real defensive, they get real, you know, guarded. Don't guard your pain. Don't guard your hurt. Don't guard anything in your life that, that, that gives you stress, anxiety. Let Jesus take care, of the, uh, take care of it. If there's an area of your heart that's broken, an area of your heart that's bruised, let Jesus get in there and fix that so that you can function correctly, so that your heart can work correctly. You know, thank God I've got a healthy physical heart. Amen? I mean, I, I, I'm still very active at my age, and I, I, I work out, I hunt, I fish. I, I, you know, I, I guess, I guess a, a youth is a state of mind. I mean, my body tells me, hey, you can't do that anymore, and I still tell my body, yes, I can. And then I pay the price, you know. <laughs> Amen. I told the story here a couple of weeks ago. It's been probably a couple of months ago. I, I, a, a, it was a friend of mine's birthday who's a guide over in Winnie, and he called me up. And I don't ever, I don't ever hunt on days when, I, when I'm supposed to be ministered. It's on a Wednesday. But it was his birthday. And he said, come on, man, just come. Me, you, and a, he named another guide. And so I went over there. And, and, man, when I pulled off the ferry, symptoms hit my body. I felt, I just, man, and I, the further I drove, the sicker I got. And every place I passed, the devil would say, you can turn around there. You can turn around there. You can turn. I just kept driving till I got to the gate where I was supposed to be. And I got out and I told my boss, I said, man, guys, I'm just, I, I feel terrible. I, you know, y'all go ahead. I'm just going to sit here in my truck. So I sat down in my truck and I just started going through healing scriptures. I started worshiping God and I fell asleep. And what woke me up was the sun coming up in the east came through my windshield. And I was like, well, I woke up. I checked myself. I felt great. I said, well, praise God. I put on my hip boots. I got my coat on, got my gun, my bag, and I walked. They were about a mile and a half from me down an old road and then about a quarter of a mile across the rice field. So I walked down that road, and when I jumped over the gate, they saw me, and my buddy called me on my cell phone and said, What are you doing? I said, What? Well, aren't we hunting? He said, I, If you could have called me, I would have come got you. I said, No, that's okay. He said, Well, wait right there. I'll go get, I'll go get the buggy and come get you. I said, No, I can walk across this rice field. And I could hear that Paul's on the phone. He said, if you think you can, go ahead. So I walked across that rice field, and I got about from here to Leah to the blind, and both those guys looked at me and said, you're the toughest old man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to believe God for a strong, healthy body and a strong, healthy heart in order to function correctly in, in life. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have any visions of, you know, uh, being, you know, I'm, I'm sure age will creep up one day, but that's okay. I believe God, I'll take it gracefully. But when it comes to our heart on the inside, the, the, the core of who we are, the deepest reality of our beings, there are things in life, there are things that the devil tries to do, there are events that happen that just break your heart. And if you've never really recovered from having a true broken heart, then I guarantee you the devil uses that as a staging ground to get into all kinds of areas in your life. Literally what will happen many times is he'll cut everything in life off the corner of that broken heart in order to keep you in bondage. That's why a lot of people stay addicted. That's why a lot of people have to, have, have to self-medicate or go to the psychiatrist or whoever else does it to get medication because they're just so mentally stirred up because something in life has happened that is so disappointed, that has so broken their heart, they've been unable to recover. Did you know Jesus knew that? That's why right there in that scripture with healing blind people, raising up lame people, doing all that other kind of stuff, preaching the gospel to the poor, he put right in the middle of it, heal the brokenhearted. Gonna have to heal the brokenhearted. So I like to proclaim this. Jesus is the healer of a broken heart. Amen? So I've made some more notes other than the ones I had. Healing the bruised, broken, and offended heart. Uh, if Jesus in his ministry... Now listen to this. This is good. If Jesus in his ministry was sent to heal broken hearts, that means the heart is capable of being broken. Amen? The phrase, that just breaks my heart, is connected to tragedy, disaster, trauma. 
It could be as trivial. You know, I've heard people say that uh, recently that, you know, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys hadn't been the, the, the best team that they were back in the, the 80s and 90s. Poor Roy, we've had to get his heart healed many times over the Dallas Cowboys because they'd play some game, look like they were going to win, and right at the end they'd lose. And, you know, we had to, get Roy, had to get Roy's joy back for him, you know. But, you know, we always kind of say things trivial, oh, that just breaks my heart. But it really doesn't have a lot of, you know, weight to it. It's just, you know, we're just kind of kidding around. But there are other things that happen in life. Loss of a loved one. Loss of a job. Loss of a pet. We were at, we were at Pastor Sam Carr's one time, and the Lord had me minister to people. It blew my mind. There were about maybe, oh, seven, eight hundred people there that night. And I gave an altar call for people. Actually, I didn't give an altar call. I had people stand. I said, how many people in here, you have a broken heart because you lost a pet? There must have been a hundred people that stood up that had a broken heart because they'd lost a pet. Hey, Amen. I know what that feels like. I've lost some pets that broke my heart to lose them. And when I lost them, I had to do something to get myself healed from that broken heart. We were, we were in uh, Tulsa one time. And, and, and Janet Brzee, Pastor Mark's wife, she loves big old dogs. And she had this great big old dog that had him about uh, uh, seven years. Was it Cherokee? Yeah, Dakota, they have Dakota. It was Cherokee or vice versa. It was what? It was to cut one of them anyway. But anyway, the dog got up big and healthy and strong, and they just loved that big old dog. Well, at age seven, the vet found a tumor, an, 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 an unoperable tumor on its heart. And it began to deteriorate real quick. There was nothing the vet could do. And so they had to put that big old dog down, and they had to do it like the Friday before Fire for the Nation started on Sunday. And she was just brokenhearted. And I remember walking in the green room, and, I, and, you know, you want, you want to reach out and help people like that. And, and so uh, she was talking about how, you know, I'm never going to get another dog. I'll tell you, I'm, I, that's it for me. I'm, I'm never, I, I just can't go through this again. This, is, this just broke my heart. So and, I, and I remember saying to her, there's one thing that'll heal it. She said, you know something that'll heal? I said, there is. She said, what is it? I said, it's called a puppy. She said, I'll never get another puppy. And it was a week later, we got a text and a picture from them of their new puppy. And I texted her back. I said, how's your heart? She says, it's healed. So God knows how to heal your heart from a broken uh, heart, from a pet. Get a new puppy, get a new kitten, get whatever it needs. Get your heart healed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Condition of the heart. Now notice this. A broken heart, a condition of the heart being totally controlled by emotion. A choice or a pattern of thought that keeps you in bondage to that emotion. Any area in which your heart is not guarded is a potential area for a broken, bruised, or an offended heart. Proverbs chapter uh, 4 verse 23 talks about that. It says, above all, above every uh, other charge, guard your heart. It says, use all your watchfulness to guard your heart. Guard your heart more than any other treasure. Remember that scripture, Proverbs chapter 4? Uh, Attend unto my word and climb down here into my saints. Let them not depart from the eyes. Keep them in the midst of the heart for their life for them to find them. And health uh, to all your flesh. Above all, guard your heart for out of it are the what? The issues of life. Amen. A broken heart, any event or situation, life experience or circumstance, which renders your heart ineffective to perform that which God intends. It inhibits the inner spirit from feeding information, motivation, desire, rendering your heart unable to function as God designed it. One must rely on feelings, thoughts, choices to function not, re not realizing that your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices not connected to your heart are the devil's playground. That opens the door for the devil to get in there and make that heart even more bruised, more broken, or more offended than it really is. Amen? Now, let's work on some of this. Amen? Your heart is always revealed in your words. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And I can tell after five minutes of talking to somebody, many times it comes out as an offense. That's why you got to be careful. That's why you got to walk in love. Don't be critical. Well, you don't know how so-and-so has hurt me. You don't know what such-and-such has -such done. Listen, the more you rehearse things that have happened to you that are negative, the first ear that communication goes into is yours. 
And if you hear that over and over and over and over and over as you tell person after person after person after person how you've been hurt, how you've been wronged, how this has happened, how that has happened, it's going to render your heart ineffective to be healed until you change your words. So the first principle in changing your heart or getting your heart healed from something that has broken it is to change your words. Begin to speak words of life to your... Listen, sometimes it helps just to say this, just to, just to get honest in your prayer time before God and to just declare, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get healed of this. This is not going to control me any longer. And you know, the sad thing is, is people, you know, you get up in your, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, you find yourself controlled by events that happened back in your teens, your 20s, and your 30s, and they're long gone. All, the only place they live is in your memory and in the pain of your heart. But they dictate to your life. I mean, they set up residence in you, and you can't seem to be able to proceed beyond that particular point in which your heart was broken. Man. A broken heart, unattended. Now listen to this. This is my new, my new stuff I've got. See, I've got the old stuff and the new stuff. A broken heart, unattended, will produce an angry heart. One of the number one things that you have to be careful of is becoming an angry person. And there are so many people today that are so angry. Just turn on your TV. I mean, all of our government's angry. Have you noticed that? How, how, much, how much offense you think has come out of what's gone on in the past few months? This, 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 listen, that's why this nation has to have a spiritual awakening to get healed from all of, I don't care what side of it you stand on, but it needs to be healed of all of it. Of all of it, it needs to be healed. Amen? Now, People make statements like this. Well, I've learned to control my temper. Or they make this like this. Uh, you know, uh, I've learned how to deal with my anger. You don't want to control your temper. You don't want to know how to deal with it. You want to get rid of it. So, well, you know, I have a temper because I'm Irish. Well, anybody can say that. <laughs> Amen. Why do they always pick on the Irish, you know? No, I mean anybody. You could be Italian. You could be Mexican. You could be whatever. You could be Swahili. It does not matter. Anger gets into many people as the band-aid over hurts and bruises and broken hearts. Broken hearts that have not been dealt with the situation. It hadn't gotten taken care of. It has not been resolved. Will cause that bruise to fester. You end up offended. You become a victim. And boy, do we live in a victim society. You become a victim, and based on that victim mentality, you can never operate in the position Christ has given you as more than a conqueror or a victor. You have not been born again. You have not been filled with the Holy Ghost. You have not received the good word of God to live as a victim on this earth. God has made you more than a conqueror. God has put His strength. He's put His life. He's put His power. He's put His anointing. He's put His destiny inside of you. You need to rise up above that pain and above that hurt by making a decision. I am not going to learn how to live with this. I'm going to get rid of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Statements people make. Life is so unfair. I'm so angry. I'm an impulsive person. I have a short fuse. <laughs> Amen. Being like that. Now notice this. If you've ever been an angry person, and I was at one time, anger that exists in your life because that band-aid is over a hurt. Once it gets loosed, you do not control it. It controls you. So many people have done things in a fit of anger. Our prisons are full of people that have done things in a, just, just a, I, 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 got, I got mad and I lost it. I just lost it. Well, you got to go back and figure out why you lost it. Because you're not designed by God to lose it. 
That's part of the baser nature of the enemy of humanity trying to control you with a force that gets into your emotions, into your mind, into the choices you make that causes you to live in bondage to it instead of you living overcoming toward it. Man. Listen to a couple of these scriptures. Proverbs 14, 17, amplified. He who foams up quickly and flies into a passion deals foolishly. That means anything you do when you're mad is going to be dumb. Amen? I watched a guy one time get mad. He was actually having an argument with his girlfriend. And he, get, he got mad and punched the wall. Boom! But when he punched the wall, he hit a two-by-four stud. And it split his hand open like a gourd. And the initial hurt of the fight with the girlfriend was nothing compared to the 14 stitches he got across his fingers to close that gash. That wasn't very smart. <laughs> See how anger will render you, render you in a, in able to make good decisions. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go. Least you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. You know what that means? That means if you're going to live for God, you can't hang around angry people. Which means if you're an angry person, people of God don't want to hang around you. Whoa! Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. The source of strife is found in an angry heart. You get around people. I've seen that. I've worked with people. When I used to work, I worked as a longshoreman. I worked off, off in the oil industry offshore. I worked as a cable TV technician. I had other jobs. There was always someone that we worked with that no matter what was going on, they were trying to stir up some kind of a mess. No matter what, whether it was with the, with the, with the secretaries or, or, or out, in the, you know, out where we got our equipment, no matter what it was, somebody was trying to just, just, just cause everything to be rubbed the wrong way. Seems like they lived for that. You ever seen people like that? The Bible says stay away from them. You'll learn their ways. Now notice this. Your mouth, is connect, your mouth connected to a broken heart will continually rehearse the situation which causes the condition in the first place. From the trauma of a broken heart, you feel, you think, and you always make the wrong choices. Now, I've seen this for years. People talk about, you know, there'll be some, uh, some poor lady that's been married six times, seven times, eight times. She always makes the wrong choice. Well, you don't have to make a wrong choice. There are people that repeat the same behavior over and over and over and over again. And they, people say, well, experience is the best teacher. I know people that have experienced some of the stupidest things I've ever seen over and over and over and over and over. And their experience was terrible and it never taught them nothing. They just kept doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Amen. Well, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a symptom of a broken or angry part, heart. Now, many times, it produces in our lives depression. This is the source of depression. Symptoms include depression, uh, hopelessness, extreme moods. You ever have people, been around people that have extreme moods? Uh, there's no trust. There's instability, insecurities, and extreme anger. We self-medicate, we use drugs, we, we, we use alcohol, we get, we get so involved in our job, we get compulsive with other things, with hobbies, thinking that by doing that, we'll be able to pacify it. Now, I was telling the story, I think, where were we? We were at the, uh, the, the young adults the other night, and I, uh, there was a comedian that, that was uh, addicted to gambling. And obviously he had some big hurt in his life, because he had gambled away several fortunes. Now his particular what would you call it? Genre of gambling that he liked was the horse. He loved to rub the, uh, let the, uh, go to the horse track, bet on the horses. Now, this is what he said. I found it amazing. I heard, it, I heard an interview with him. He said, the reason I liked the horses, the track that I went to, the race that the horses took was approximately 
one minute, 30 seconds. It took him to go around the track. You know, approximately that. Some, some days faster, some days slower. He said, for that minute and 30 seconds, I didn't have to think about my life. I didn't have to think about the pain. I didn't have to think about what I've gone through. For that minute and 30 so I would stay at the track for hours. Looking forward to that one minute and 30 seconds at a time. In which I didn't have to deal with the pain of my life. Well, that's amazing. People do that with all kinds of things. They, they just use it kind of as a pacifier to pacify them for a short period of time because when they really get to the place where they're alone, they're by themselves, or their thoughts, or you're just with your thoughts, the, the, the pain of what you've gone through is so bad, you can't deal with it. So you've got to self-medicate some way. That's where people get into compulsions. Now let me say something. Don't get mad at me. You can get compulsive spiritually. He said, what do you mean? i tell you all I do is I go to church seven days a week. I pray ten hours a day. I read my Bible the other ten hours a day. Listen, I serve God on a level I think that a lot of people don't. I love the Lord. He delivered me out of a lot. I spend a lot of time praying. I spend, but I'm not so compulsive with spiritual things that it becomes my pacifier. People do that. I've seen them doing it. It messes up their life. Now, Proverbs 15.1 Grievous words stir up anger. He that is slow to anger, verse 18, appeaseth strife. 16.32 Slow to anger is better than the mighty. A gift in secret pacifieth anger. Now, Ephesians 4.26, it says this. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Now, if you would go and do a study of the scriptures before it and the scriptures behind it. Actually, the first scripture before it says, give no place to the devil. It shows us right there that anger can open the door to the enemy to come into your life. Through thoughts, ideas, impulses, and even feelings. He knows how to produce feelings. If you don't believe that, then if you've ever been rejected, if you've ever been really offended, or if you've ever heard words that have hit you that have produced an emotion, you know the enemy knows how to produce a feeling. Amen? But when it says, now be angry and sin not, neither let the sun go down on your wrath. It is speaking of anger in its potential role as a seed. You say, what do you mean by that? People get their hearts broken, their hearts bruised, their hearts become offended, they become angry, and then that anger begins to spread to people that are unaware around them. Because taking anger into a 24-hour period, that if you study anything agriculturally, if you take a seed and put it in the correct place, it only takes 24 hours for it to gestate and begin to become the plant that it's supposed to be. We've had people in our office over the years very angry, very hurt, very broken. And they would have little children, not even old enough to really, just barely old enough to talk. But they would make statements to us like this. We had to go to the daycare yesterday and get our children because they were having temper tantrums. We had to go to the, uh, to the school the other day and get our, 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 our kindergartner because he gets so mad. He throws, where's that anger coming from? It's coming from the house. Seeds of anger are being sown. They're coming up in children. I mean, I, I've been around places that I've gone to in the world where the people were so angry. When we first began to go to Ireland, uh, there was what they called the Troubles, which was nothing more than a war that was going on between, quote, the Protestants and the Catholics. That's a joke. Don't believe that. It wasn't a Catholic-Protestant thing. It was a racial thing. And it was a racial thing among people that looked exactly the same. Strangest thing I ever saw in my life. But you talk about anger. Oh, my goodness. I mean, one of the things that really exclamated that move of God was joy. I mean, this was before a lot of the, the, the you know, Brother Hagin, different ones have these me, Holy Ghost meetings. People just um, uh, get full of the Holy Ghost and laugh. Those people knew nothing about that. And we'd go there and just preach a message with not much emotion to it. And the glory of God would fall. And people would fall out all over the place laughing. 
Uncontrollable. God was healing their hearts is what he was doing. Well, one particular story that uh, um, uh, there had been a bombing. The IRA had, had said, you know, we did it. We blew it up. I think it killed 15 people. The uh, British Army ran into a home and arrested three men, two sons and a, and a, and a father, and did a test upon their hands. And when they did this test upon their hands, they determined, you're the bomber because this test shows you've been handling plastic explosives. And so they put him in jail for life. The father died. A lawyer somehow, someway figured out that that was not the people that did that. They weren't connected to the IRA. They were not officially in the IRA in any way. And so he got an expert witness and a scientist and they did some tests and found out that the playing cards that they were using as they were sitting around that table playing cards when they got arrested gave the same result on that test as plastic explosives do. Those men had been in prison 15 years. You talk about anger. You talk about anger. Their hearts were broken. How would you like to be unjustly accused, sentenced, and put in prison for something that you didn't do and watch and have your heart broken by your father dying in prison with you? But thank God we were able to preach Jesus. You say, what? Because Jesus is the healer of broken hearts. So you've got to begin to go back and begin to do inventory in your own heart and in your own life and begin to say, why am I an angry person? Why, am I, why, do I get, why do I have these times in my life? And here's the thing, what Satan creates in our lives through a broken heart that causes such anger, many times we call them what? Buttons. I've learned how to push Leah's buttons. When we first got married, she had a whole bunch of them. <laughs> so I'd spend days pushing them all. Had to get her healed, amen? <laughs> but how many of you could say, yeah, i got to tell you, I, I love the Lord and I come to church and you know, if he called me to go to the mission fields, I'd go, but i tell you, I got this one button. And if you push that button, amen, we heard a guy years ago preaching on, on uh, get, remember the old phrase, get, get your goat? I don't know where that came from. But he painted this picture through his preaching of all these goats hanging off people and people going up and, and getting their goat, you know. But there are things out there that if you allow them, they will come but, become button issues in your life. And what they do is they expose your anger, which is tied to your broken heart. But if you can work on getting rid of the buttons, then I guarantee you, you can begin, uh, begin to live a much more quiet and peaceable life. And your heart will be much more conducive to the faith that God wants to put in it and to, instead of the doubt the enemy's always trying to attack you with. Amen. Now, before I get ahead of myself, how's my time? Oh, I can go a couple more minutes. Mm, I don't know if I'll start it. I'm a, I'll start it. We'll pick it up next week if we need to. One of the number one areas, now listen to me closely, one of the number one areas that will put the wrong button in your life, which will break your heart, render it bruised, cause you to become offended, and cause anger to take a place in your life that it should not have. Now when I say this, some of you are going to go, but now listen to me carefully. One of the number one issues is unanswered prayer that your adversary uses against you where a prayer may not have gotten answered. I knew some people that were praying for a loved one that was sick and that loved one died. And it broke their heart. They ended up very bruised on the inside. They ended up offended and they don't even serve God anymore because they blame God for not answering that prayer. You don't... Listen... The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord. You know, we, we lost a friend years ago, but he was a very close friend of mine. He was a big old guy. It was, it was, it was Bubba. Philip Ward was his name. We talk about Mom and Papa Ward. This was their only son that they had. And Philip was just walking one day. 
and just fell over dead. Had an aneurysm, I believe it was. It burst in his heart. You never met a sweeter guy. You never met a more Christian guy. He was just the coolest guy. And what, what really connected me to him is when I came back to the Lord, he was one of the few people. He was actually not serving God the way I, he should. And when I came back to the Lord, he got fired up and he, he came back in and started serving God. And we became very close friends. Well, he just fell over dead. And it, it, it broke my heart. And I'll never forget Pastor John Osteen came down to Lamarck to Abundant Life and preached the funeral. And he used the scripture out of Isaiah. And it talked about how God allows people to depart this earth because he looks down the road and sees the evil that is coming and knows the evil that is coming cannot be borne by them. So he allows them to make the crossing that they need to cross in order to avert the evil that is coming into their life. And he preached that with such compassion and such mercy. It healed my heart. But I knew later, looking back at that, that if I would have hung on to that, that could have been an area that could have caused my heart to be bruised, to become offended, and it could have become an anger issue between God and I. And a lot of people, listen, there's nothing wrong with an expectation or a hope. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But you must understand God answers prayer the way He wants to. I can't, I can't go through the litany of all the prayers that have been answered in my life and from the time I got right with God back in March of 1984 till today and how every one of them never was answered in the way that I thought it was going to be answered. But they were all answered in such a way that maximized the potential of God's glory in my life. You say, what do you mean by that? So when it got answered, everybody said, now that's God. Now that's God. Now that's God. If you don't watch out, your adversary can take what he describes as unanswered prayer. You've got to get that term out of your heart. There's no such thing as unanswered prayer there's just prayers that have not been answered yet. Let me try that again. There's no such thing as unanswered prayer. There's just prayer that has not been answered yet. Let go of that which comes to your mind, which tries to get you to think that God has not answered your prayer. God began working on what you prayed the day you prayed for it. You're just in a fight of faith right now. And the enemy knows that if you stay with it, God's going to answer and manifest that which you've been praying for. And what He's going to do is cause His glory to manifest. Everybody is going to know it's God. You're going to see that the devil is defeated. He is under your feet. And Satan knows that, that his kingdom shrinks a little more in your life. Every time a prayer gets answered. Listen, and there's some deep prayers people pray. People pray for... You know, restoration of marriage, restoration of children. They pray for all kinds of things. Lee and I, we, we, uh, we believed God when we started to believe God for a child. God had to radically change our heart and we had to take all of our desires and, and lay them on the altar. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. We had no desire to have children. We had no desire to pastor church. Then all of a sudden he begins to press us and press our heart and say, this is my will, this is my will, this is my will. And we're like, Lord, Lord. And you know, there's always that resistance. But what we did is we got honest with ourselves. We got honest with God and God changed our desires. And Leah was with child. And we lost it. And I'm telling you, it broke our hearts. When, when, when the process of that was going on, I had to go and preach. I was in the ministry full time. I had to go preach. I took and laid on the floor of a hotel room for an entire week of Sunday through Wednesday and begged God for the life of that child and came home. And that child was lost we immediately begin to worship God. We immediately begin to worship Him, begin to praise Him, begin to glorify Him. And we made this statement. It may be a setback, but it's not a defeat. Amen. And there Breland sits, which was our miracle and our victory that we got because we didn't let that broken heartedness lead to bruised and offended heart 
and we got mad about it. That was, I use that illustration because it was serious. I mean, I spent four days in intercession. Thought I had broke through to God. It didn't happen. You say, well, why didn't it happen? I, listen, there are questions the enemy will put in your mind that you have to refuse to answer. And you have to tell him, I'm going to leave it in the hands of God. I am not gonna, I'm not going to give any entertainment to that thought. I'm not going to allow that thought to permeate my mind. I'm not going to dwell on that thought. Amen? I'm just going to let God be God. And I'm going to be His child and I'm going to be His servant. You've got to make a decision. Because listen, life is a drama. If you've not figured that out yet. And sometimes it gets to be a big drama. And there are things that happen in life that you just have to deal with it. I mean, you. but here's the good news. You are probably better equipped than anyone else on this planet other than those that get this same type of teaching, to deal with whatever it is that has broken your heart. Number one, when I've said this, and I will do number two, number three next week of how to get healed of this. Number one, change your words. You say, then what words can I possibly say, Pastor Rusty? Because I have been through the ringer. And my heart's not just broken. It's mushed, it's cracked, it's beat up, it's rolled around. There's just not much left of it. What words can I possibly say? You start saying this. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is the healer of my broken heart. You begin to confess His ability to heal your broken heart. And every time that thought comes, every time that emotion comes, every time the enemy wants to paint that picture of that trauma, that drama that happened in your life, that keeps you in bondage to that broken heart, that causes that anger to flare up on the inside of you, you make a decision. No, I'm just going to take a moment. You ask God. You ask the Holy Ghost. Give me a second. Give me two seconds of time which I can compose myself. I'll lift my hands and I'll declare, thank you, God, that Jesus is the healer of my broken heart. And if you'll do that, that will begin the process. Because listen, sometimes a broken heart can happen instantaneously. But then there's a process to get out of it. And once you get out of it, I guarantee you, you'll make a decision. I'm never going to go back there again. Because you figure out the bitterness. And that's one of the tragedies of Christianity. Of how so many people can serve such a loving God and end up so bitter. But we're not getting bitter, we're getting better. And as we get better in the things of God, I guarantee you, hearts will be mended, hearts will be healed, and the Spirit of God will do a work that no man can do, no prescription can do, only God can do in our hearts. Amen? Hallelujah. Brother Frank, go to the keyboard, if you will, just for a moment. Lift your hands and worship God for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name this morning. Father, we thank you that we serve a supernatural God, not a natural statue made out of wood, stone. We serve a living God. Lord, you said you're a God that can be touched with the feelings and the hurts of our infirmities. And Lord, I know even here at Island Church, there are many which things in life they have gone through that is so broken their hearts, so bruised, so offended. Anger that just seems to do what it wants to do in their lives. But I thank you, Father, by the mighty Word of God, and the power of the Holy Ghost, that you can heal. Just like many times in the Bible, healings were instantaneous. Others, they were healed as they go. I thank you the same is true today that there are those that just, just today, by your sovereign grace and power, their heart will be healed. Others will receive from you that which they need to walk out the, four, the doors of the church, to leave the four walls of the church, go out into life, walk out the process so that healing can take place. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you're healing the hearts of the church so that the church can function on a higher level. Have a greater effectiveness and efficiency in the things that you've assigned us and called us to do. 
We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, now I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call you up, I'm not gonna call you out or anything. And I want, want you to close your eyes to respect people around you and bow your head in reverence to the Lord. But you say, Pastor, that's me. I tell you, I've, my heart's broken. I know what it is. I know why it's broken. I know how it got broken. And I haven't been able to do anything to fix it. But I'm going to lift my hand right now. And I'm going to begin to declare that Jesus is the healer of my broken heart. And if that's you, I want you to do that right now. I want you to lift your hand up very high. Not so that I can see it, so that Jesus can see it. And I want you to put your hand down. And I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to believe some of you are going to receive an instantaneous healing into your heart. I'd say probably close to half the congregation lifted their hands. So as you sit reverently and quietly, let me pray. Father, I thank you for what the Word says in Luke chapter 4. We see the effect of the life of Jesus. Not just when He walked on the earth, but after He ascended into heaven, sat down at your right hand. After He began to live in the hearts of men and women by your mighty Holy Spirit. How events and traumas and all types of broken and bruised and offended hearts all down through the centuries and millenniums have been healed by your mighty power. Just as He healed the lepers and still does. Heals the cripples and still does. Just as the gospel is preached to the poor and still is, He still heals the broken heart. So, Father, as I pray, I release that anointing this morning that resides in your word as it is proclaimed. And the anointing of the Spirit that abides and empowers in the lives of every one of these people to heal their hearts, their disappointments, their hurts, all of that which has caused their heart to be rendered ineffective in the things of God. Father, I thank you right now you're the one that created the physical heart, the blood pump. You're also the one that created the heart in our lives. Our heart for God. Our heart for each other. Our heart for evangelism. Our heart for peace. Our heart for righteousness and joy. Our heart for a life, an abundant life, living beyond just existing till death runs its course. A life only God can give. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over the devil and his manipulative power in which he would try in the lives of all of these people that have lifted their hand to keep them in bondage to an event, to a trauma, to something that has happened in their life that has broken their heart. In the name of Jesus, I declare the power of Almighty God going into their heart right now and affecting a cure, beginning a process in which their hearts will be totally healed. Anger has to go. Insecurities must be broken. Addictions have to be gone. And in the name of Jesus, as the psalmist David said, create within me a clean heart right spirit let not thy Holy Spirit be taken from me so I thank you Father trauma of losing loved ones failed businesses broken marriages the trauma of unfulfilled dreams the trauma of being enslaved to a physical substance the trauma that life presents. We thank you by the mercy of God, the power of Jesus. We are healed in his name. Hallelujah. And everybody lift your hands and thank God. Everybody just lift your hands and thank him. Father, we thank you. Father, we worship you. Father, we glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
thank you for that healing. That healing balm, that healing salve right now flowing in this congregation. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ella, do you have a message in tongues? Check your spirit there. See if you do. For there is a spirit in you. It's not the spirit of your first birth. It's the spirit of the new birth. And that spirit on the inside of you will empower you this day to let go. Just to let go. To let go of the memory. To let go of the feeling. To let go of the trauma. But you must trust me by my word and that spirit that I have deposited on the inside of you to heal the part that is left wounded and bruised. If you will do that, I will do a quick work in you and you will discover a new joy that you've never had. You will discover something on the inside bubbling up like a fresh fountain of clean water that will begin to cleanse all areas of your life. And you will stand in just a few short days with a feeling of purity, of wholeness, of deliverance. And you will know, my heart is now whole. So don't draw back. Yes, your enemy will try to bring a counterattack, to try to discount the words that you've heard to try to nullify the power of that spirit that's in you, but you rise up in the authority that you have and you make a decision. Jesus is my healer and I shall be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank Him for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now let me say this. I know we've gone a little bit over, but is this helping anybody? Let me say this, because this is something I, I had to deal with. Man, I was, I was a rascal for a lot of years. I came back to the Lord, and He so mercifully and grace, graciously just received me back, put me in the ministry. But I tell you, my heart was broken over the regret of being away from God for so long. I mean, it just the enemy used that against me. And I had to be very careful that that did not manifest in depression in me. And one of the ways that I broke that was to just step outside my character. I mean, I grew up in a church where people ran the aisles, danced, raised their hands, praised God, spoke in tongues, did all kinds of stuff like that. And I remember coming back into the move of God and being up at Living Stones, Brother Al Jandel's church, before they built that big building. They were in that smaller church. Man, the power of God would hit and people would run and shout. I'd go up to Tulsa to Brother Hagin's meeting. People would get drunk and laugh and roll around. And I used to think to myself, what is God doing to those people that makes them do that? What is going on? I, 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 would, I, would, I was so perplexed. Why do I stand here and I have no desire at all to run down that aisle? I have no desire to laugh. I have no desire to roll on the floor. I have no desire to do any of that. And, but these people seem to be doing it and be, they're so blessed. I'm missing out on something. And this is while I was in Bible school. I was up at a, a meeting in Mount Bellevue. A friend of mine was ministering. And he was talking about being in a service and the power of God was moving just like that. And he was rehearsing something that the pastor said. And people were dancing spontaneously. They were just up there dancing in the presence of God. And he said this pastor cried out to God. And he said, my whole life in ministry, I've seen people dance and run and shout and laugh and do all of this stuff. And Lord, you've never given me a laugh. You've never given me a dance. You've not even given me a shout. And I feel so left out. He said, the Lord spoke to him very authoritatively and he said this. He said, a dance is not what I give you. A laugh is not what I give you. A shout is not what I give you. It's what you give me. He said, when I heard that, he said, I took off across that church. <laughs> he said, I took off running across that church, shouting, glorifying, praising, 
doing this. Giving God my glory. Giving God my glory. You know, today is Super Bowl Sunday. And they're going to they're gonna start the game. And everybody's going to be giving football their glory. But listen, football's not going to send you a check. They're not going to heal your broken heart. They're not, listen, they're, they're, they're not going to promote you. It's your job. But a lot of people give their glory. But listen, learn to give glory to God. The shout that you give, that's something you give to God. The dance that you dance, that's something you give to God. I tell you, when you laugh, sometimes you just got to start out in the natural with a ha-ha-ha. But then you, then you end up in the Spirit with something that's of God. Amen. You love the Lord today. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. And Lord, we pray over the coming week as we look down the portal of time and know the week ahead of us, the enemy has all kinds of plans to try to mess with our life. We just say, devil, you're defeated and under our feet. We claim the protection afforded us by the word of God. Thanking you, Lord, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. The angels of God have charge over every one of us. We declare as we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we are protected. We are blessed. In the righteous labor of our hands, the jobs, the businesses, the schools, everywhere we go, thank you, we're not subject to trauma, terror, evil, wicked plans of men, or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, as we leave the church today, let our light shine. Let us, no matter what condition we think our lives are in, let us be an answer to somebody's prayer. Let us be a miracle in someone's life. Let us be a problem to the devil instead of him being a problem to us. Let us help someone as we have been helped. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.